This is the EPLOG audio experience. Film is clearly a sophisticated art, possibly the most important art of the 20th century with a rather complex history of theory and practice, writes James Monaco in his book How to Read a Film. So far in our podcast the artists we have had filmmakers writers critics programmers from some of the top film festivals musicians thinkers defining their combinatorial skills we at metaphysical lab have been striving to expand the realm of our podcast which in turn gives a wider uh, canvas to the understanding of our experiences and also we have tied up with epilog media the podcasting network so you can find us on their website epilogmedia/theartists and of course you can continue to listen to us on the platforms that you choose from apple podcast to spotify to geosavan to google podcast everything is mentioned in the description and of course you can reach us uh, on the whatsapp number and our email id i'm your host suchita and i'm looking forward to a wonderful journey ahead with all of you so what are we really censoring in the times of the internet is a very big question which we're going to address in this episode of the podcast the artist with me suchita welcome guys i hope you guys are keeping yourself safe here on the lockdown again especially in cities like mumbai and delhi so take good care of yourself and today's episode is of course based on a couple of news events that happened last week one being the fcap being removed from the whole process of censorship in india and of course italy getting away with censorship after 108 years that was a fun part so the whole idea of censorship i'm told is based on community standards so when the whole community has been revamped in the internet era where does censorship really have a say and i'm glad to have dr indranil bhattacharya to take us through this uh, dr indranil is a teacher and scholar of film practice and film studies with interest in research and writing he's an alumnus of film and television institute of india and also holds a doctorate in cinema studies from the university of westminster london uk he started off as a filmmaker directing and editing short fiction fiction serials mostly for public network and he has lectured at leading indian and overseas universities and film schools including srftii and the dada institute of social sciences enjoy the conversation hi indranil welcome to our podcast the artists and uh, thank you for taking our time and being part of this conversation i'm good thank you and i'm very happy to be here uh, talking about film censorship something i have been researching for a while now mm-hmm. and it's a huge area of uh, interest a lot of people working or researching film censorship writing about it discussing it mm. so yes i'm very happy to be here and suddenly it's become a hot topic again uh, because of a couple of things that's happened in the past week but uh, coming to that later just i'm going to start this with uh, the cbfc board uh, demanding uh, a couple of cuts for this international film which was david fincher's film in 2011 the girl with the dragon tattoo and uh, david fincher the director eventually decided not to release the film in india that was the first and second very important person for freedom of expression is anand patwardhan whose film war and peace again went through some stringent cuts and he found and raised his voice against it being very ridiculous what do you think the censorship board really stands for a discussion on film censorship in india has to start with a discussion of the indian constitution hmm 
Film censorship in India basically draws its power from Article 19.1 of our Constitution. You know, India became independent on 15th August 1947. Mm. The Constitution was adopted uh, on 26 November 1949 and be became operative on 26 January 1950. Mm. Uh, the Constitution of India guarantees freedom of expression, but this freedom we all know is not unlimited. It is restricted by Article 19.2. And the freedom of expression is subjected to what we call reasonable restrictions, especially mm -hmm. in matters where the sovereignty, the integrity of India, the security of the state, friendly relation with foreign states, pu public order, decency or morality, or in relation to contempt of court, defamation or incitement to an offense are concerned. So, you get a complete laundry list mm. where uh, the state tells you that if you cross a certain line, your freedom of expression will be curtailed. Mm. Now, a key document as far as censorship of films in India is concerned is the Indian Cinematograph Act 1952. Mm -hmm. Now, if you examine the Indian Cinematograph Act, which controls certification or censorship mm -hmm. in India, it's section 5b1 repeats the same points articulated in section 1902 of the Indian Constitution. In other words, section b also gives a laundry list of, you know, friendly relation with states, public order, decency, blah, 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 hmm. or morality, hmm. or defamation, or contempt of court. So if you do any of this, then again, your firm will be subject to certain restrictions. This is where film censorship comes in. Right. Also to reiterate here that the limit to free spe speech in, uh, which is inherent in the constitution is what is applicable to filmmakers as well. Right. The, but the restriction of freedom of expression is not limited to films alone. We all know that it applies to other media and art forms as well. But there is a vital distinction. If you're a writer publishing hmm. a story or a painter setting up an exhibition of paintings, newspaper editor, publishing a report, a producer who's doing recording a podcast. Yeah. You do not have to show it to the government. But a filmmaker must do it hmm. before he or she actually, uh, you know, puts it for public exhibition. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Because film censorship comes under the doctrine of prior restraint. Okay. This particular approach to films has been upheld by the Supreme Court of India. In its famous judgment, in the case of K. Abbas and the Union of India in 1960, the reason this is done is the court, this is articulated by the Supreme Court of India. It has said that given the cinema is an audiovisual medium, it is more powerful than any other form and hence deserves a restraint. The court's contention was that since dozens, sometimes hundreds of people watch films together in a dark theatre, it could inflame passions or trigger violence or riots. Yeah. which the court at that point of time thought that uh, forms like books or paintings do not have that problem. But, so that, was, but that was that time, right? Indriya, that was that, that, time. Was that, that time. was that time. Absolutely. I mean, that's like, sounds very long ago, you know, because now the medium has changed, the times have changed. We're talking about multiple mediums here. We're talking about the times of the internet, we're talking about TikTok videos and we're talking about everything being open out there that's influencing everybody straight from a two-year-old to a 90-year-old, you know. So 
what is the value of you know, these I restrictions? I uh, agree with what you are saying because mm. I think it has become very complex now. Mm. And uh, there have been talk about revisiting this uh, 1960 judgment by right. the Supreme Court on which largely our uh, censorship of films meant for public theatre stands. There are a couple of uh, uh, public interest uh, litigations or petitions in Supreme Court, one by the actor uh, Amol Palekar, hmm. uh, Mr. Amol Palekar, another by a documentary filmmaker Pankaj Butalia. This too I am aware of, but I have a suspicion that there may be more, <laughs> hmm. which challenges the 1960 Act and its relevance to the current times. But what has happened is over the years, various governments and across parties uh, which have ran India have felt that given India's social and religious complexities, one kind of needs a body like a censor board which will intervene between the filmmaker or an artist and the state. And the job of that body will be to sanitize the films and make it suitable for public viewing. Or if it really thinks that it has been a very violent and provocative work, then it even has the right to completely stop it so that it doesn't reach the public at all. This, in a sense, kind of infantilizes the public that the Indian viewing public is, you know, violent, it can easily get triggered. So these are uh, issues which have been time and again critiqued, you know, by scholars, by policy makers even by uh, legislators individually, though not the parliament as a whole. Uh, there are uh, some reform programs in the pipeline which has not been happening, and I will come back to that later on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There is a definite problem if one tries to apply censorship laws and rules to films in the internet era, and this is what uh, you spoke about just now. Yeah. And there are two main reasons. Firstly, the Indian Cinematograph Act only applies to films meant for public exhibition. In other words, theatrical exhibition, that's why films meant for internet platforms or OTT platforms do not come under this act. Mm -hmm. But interestingly, there was a lot of human cry from producers of theatrical films that they are facing undue competition from OTT mm -hmm. as their content is regulated while OTT content is not. Yes. Drawing attention to the fact that OTT platforms quote-unquote could show anything. They meant mm -hmm. that OTT content can have more than the usual dose of sexuality or violence or political themes and can get away with it. Now, these people wanted, these, uh, you know, film producers, hmm. they wanted some kind of uh, control on the OTT platforms uh, so that there is kind of a, you know, uh, even uh, platform. And the government kind of came out with new rules on OTT in February this hmm. year, yeah. uh, based on the self-regulation model. So. What the government is saying, telling the OTT platforms is that we don't, we won't have a body like CBFC. We are leaving uh, the job to you yourself that you will have uh, your own body which will uh, look at uh, the content you produce, give it age-appropriate certification. And if it's really bad, then you should either get rid of it or substantially censor it. Mm. But the government retains its power to censor it. It's not saying that, you know, it's entirely your job. If you look at those rules, right. uh, you'll see that the government can actually come in if it thinks that the OTT platforms are not being 
very transparent in what they're doing. Mm. Now, votaries in free speech in India feel that the government has no no business trying to control what an individual watches in the privacy of their homes. Mm. If the content is not criminal in nature, such as child pornography, now child pornography is anyway outlawed, so it comes under different, you know, criminal prosecution rules. Mm. But as far as other uh, things are concerned, it should not concern the state what you or me we are watching in the privacy of our rooms. Right, right. But the government is nervous about the fact that content from all across the world yeah. could be so easily accessed by Indians through OTT platforms, you know. Mm. So there, there is this attempt to control it. There is this constant anxiety that there is some kind of damage to the moral fiber of the country. Mm, mm, mm. Maybe young people are seeing too much sex or yeah. too much political films. Mm. There is this nagging need to control OTT. But the issue here is that they can control Indian OTT platforms. But there are people who can access foreign yeah. OTT or VOD platform they are using VPNs yes for example if you force Amazon India to kind of sanitize their own programs Indians can technically an, uh, access Amazon US or UK hmm. and uh, of course you know there's a huge circulation of pirated films via torrent sites oh yes so this attempt to censor OTT you know economists would call it a zero-sum game <laughs> in fact in the internet age it is difficult to control what people consume online unless you use the same coercive strategies like China. Yes. You know, close yeah. down everything mm. uh, like blunt, brutal force. Mm. But India is a democratic country. We can't go to that extent. So the government and the state has to find different ways to control or regulate content which they, which they think could be potentially problematic. Mm. Absolutely. But what about Italy, Indranil? They just remove film censorship after 108 years. I mean, that was brilliant. Shouldn't this be the path for democratic countries like ours to follow suit? See, I would say that it's a significant step, but I would also say that this is kind of expected because countries across the world have now find it difficult mm. to, to uh, sustain a censorship regime. Because how can you, when people are watching so many things across so many different platforms, how can you, you know, control what people's tastes, for example? Yeah. For I'll give you an example. Hmm. Uh, you know, UK and US has industry-led certification bodies, hmm. which only judge the age appropriateness of films, that whether this film should be seen by 12+, plus, 14+, plus, 16+, plus, 18+, plus, etc. They are not supposed to censor or cut films or recommend cuts for films. This is eventually a model which even we have to embrace. You know, mm. that is because uh, it's very difficult to define, for example, obscenity, decency in today's world. Yes. We'll come to that a little later. Yeah. We are on the matter of yeah. Yeah. Uh, FCAT. Uh, we'll, come, yes. we'll come to that. Mm. Yeah. But, we need to, but we need to simplify, right, in the need. We need to simplify what we define as that needs to be cut. We need to simplify the laws. Also, I think if they simplify things, it's going to be also less of pressure on the filmmakers. And it's also going to be less, less of pressure on the uh, strategy makers and the lawmakers and the ones sitting in the government. I mean, it, I don't think that's, I, I don't think this should be of a primary concern in today's society when there is so much more going on? Well, uh, simplification, uh, I would say, is easier said than done, hmm. especially when the bedrock 
of film censorship is based on our the 1902 uh, of our constitution hmm. which talks about decency morality public order but it's all changed you know, now i mean it's all changed the definitions what have changed decent? what is indecent <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> not changed right the right. constitution remains same hmm. so if these words are there in the constitution and there in the cinematograph act hmm. then it's very difficult to simplify things because the state wants a very broad kind of debate uh, I want to specify things too much because if you specify things then a lot of other things might escape you know? so there is mm-hmm. this need to have a kind of a very umbrella uh, terms or umbrella uh, concepts mm-hmm. with which you can actually control cultural production so uh, i don't think given our constitutional jurisprudence and our structure it's it you know the film censorship can be very easily simplified there are some attempts which again I, I, we can come back to a little later right right uh, and the real, of course we uh, i i mentioned of course i mentioned to you about you know one of the primary concerns to do this episode was that the film certification appellate tribunal has been made defunct it has been removed from the indian censorship is something that has helped filmmakers in the past vis-a-vis their films if they do not if the the filmmaker is not happy with the cuts mentioned by the main censorship uh, uh you know the the score team they can come to fcat and they can sort of apply reapply uh, to be reconsidered for the cuts but now that's not possible now the filmmaker has to directly approach the court what right. are your views on this it's definitely very bewildering mm. uh now what is film certificate appellate tribunal uh, uh, popularly known as fcat hmm. it was a quasi judicial body hmm. a quasi judicial body a filmmaker could approach if they did not agree to the cuts recommended by the cbfc or if they if their films were denied a certificate because you know there are a lot of films which are outrightly denied a certificate saying that you know uh, we can't give you a certificate even if you cut this 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 scenes right. because your film overall is not conducive for the society so many of these filmmakers they uh, they approach uh, they used to approach rather the fcat now fcat was a small body based in delhi where mm. you as a filmmaker can write an appeal on a plain sheet of paper yeah then you can you will be given a date uh, when to appear before them the tribunal members were made up of a mix of uh, you know legal people like lawyers or former judges cultural workers journalists sometimes scholars uh and these people would seek clarification from the filmmaker as well as cbfc the regional officer who had presided over uh, that particular order which was being appealed against at fcat mm-hmm. and they will come out the same day within the same day uh, maybe in an hour or two hours time they will come out with an order saying okay you know you remove this particular scenes or this particular dialogues or even words uh, or you mute these words and will give you a certificate so you filmmakers had the chance largely to get a immediate resolution to their issues but now that fcat is abolished the films have to approach high courts 
those who are little familiar with indian courts know that there is a long pendency of thousands of cases yeah this is even more problematic in the covid situation because the covid situation has increased the pendency hmm it's very difficult to get a hearing from the high court moreover the issues in cbfc orders are sometimes so technical hmm. i don't know what extent the high courts will hear them right high right courts get broad legalistic issues now if you have okay you know the the cbfc is saying this words have to be removed and the filmmaker saying you know if you want me to remove four words the middle of one paragraph of dialogues that will completely technically spoil the entire entire section hmm. so, so this you know these are kind of quasi technical issues on which sometimes i think fcat would have members who could judge these issues better right it's not that i am saying that high court cannot high court has also uh, heard very technical matters on various issues but it requires time also to approach high court you need to hire a lawyer which means big expenditure which could be a major problem for independent and small filmmakers yes uh, you hire a legal team or a lawyer file a petition so uh, the fcat was a better option you could just you know do a uh, the thing yourself you don't need didn't need to hire lawyers though there are filmmakers who did hire lawyers even for fcat but it was not absolutely necessary but in high court i don't think you can really uh, uh, do without a lawyer right or a team that filmmakers in uh, order to avoid approaching the court will accept whatever the cbfc says cbfc mm. as we know has a checkered history right you see some of its orders in the recent past for example the one in lipstick under my burqa yeah i am referring to recent films urta punjab or a bengali yeah. film sahib bibi gulam hmm. these are films which have been given specific relief by the fcat and without fcat they would have to directly approach high court sometimes it has happened it has also happened that you know filmmakers have differed with fcat on certain issues maybe fcat has allowed some of your appeals and may have disallowed certain other appeals part of your appeal and the filmmaker has to move uh, the high court but in that case the, the high court's jurisdiction or high court what the high court will be deciding on got very limited but but uh, but indranil why why was this done why was fcat removed from this whole process what was the whole uh, point of that knowing that it can toughen the life of filmmakers artists are an integral part of uh, the society freedom of expression is an important part why do you think this was done see uh, technically speaking uh, the the government is not saying that you do not have uh, uh, freedom of expression because if you agree to you have to approach the high court so it's just removing one body in between you know mm. the, the three layers of body uh it's very difficult to guess why they have done it i have a suspicion that the current government had this agenda when they came into power which was called minimum government and maximum governance mm. which which basically the attempt there was to minimize the arms of administration remove the flap so that uh, the government spends less on the governance and still manages to do better hmm it could be that partly i don't know hmm uh, because the uh, fcat is not the only tribunal that was abolished there were uh, 
seven or eight other uh, tribunals which were abolished in different areas. Right. And that is just one. And uh, if any of these tribunals needed to be kept or preserved, I think FCAT uh, was the most, uh, I would say, the most required or the most uh, effective if you look at its history. Do you think that filmmakers will now have to consider this while they are making their films or shooting their films, considering that it might just get stuck in the CBFC? I'll just go back because uh, I don't want to end this conversation without referring to you know, two significant things that have happened in the recent past in film censorship. Hmm. Uh, the government of India in 2013 hmm. created a committee called Justice Mukul Mudgal Committee. Mm-hmm. And again in 2016 or 17, I, it created the Shambhanigal Committee. Hmm. These are two committees which were created by the government to suggest reforms in film certification. And both these bodies have made a number of very, very significant recommendations. In fact, Shambhanigal Committee has said that, you know, remove censorship, just make CBFC what it's supposed to have been done, uh, supposed to be doing rather, hmm. is is doing plain certification and uh, amend the Cinematograph Act and remove CBFC's power of cutting. Hmm. So, hmm. Now, uh, very strangely, none of these two committee reports have been uh, tabled in the parliament. There's been no action. There's, there's, there was a word going on that, okay, you know, we are going to work on it. We are going to take action on it, but nothing has happened. Uh, it was submitted in 2018, if I'm not mistaken. So it's three years. I'm talking about the Shambhanigal Committee here. Mm. And no action has been taken. So uh, while there is uh, things in the pipeline where there are reports, prepared reports by uh, committees which were made up of filmmakers, jurists, very erudite people, I would say, Mm. Uh, it's puzzling that the government has not taken action on it and has uh, removed the FCAT uh, in the intervening period. Right. Uh, right. Now, mm. as far as uh, what filmmakers ought to do, ought not to do, uh, you know, there is something that I have in mind that if approaching High Court is inevitable, I would recommend that filmmakers start creating a panel of lawyers in each major city. Mm. There are always young lawyers who are ready to help filmmakers right. uh, pro bono, you know, mm, without mm. charges, without fees, mm. to file the petitions. Filmmakers can prepare a panel of these lawyers in each city where films are produced, like Bombay, Madras, Hyderabad, Trivandrum, Kolkata, Bhubaneswar, right. and have a ready panel of lawyers in each of the cities. And these lawyers will help uh, young filmmakers or filmmakers, independent filmmakers, to file their petitions before High Court and and uh, monitor those cases till they get a favorable order from the courts. Uh, this is, I think, this is important because big production houses have legal teams. They have money. They have money power. Yes. But independent filmmakers, they don't have this kind of luxury. So, I think they need to. They need some kind of a mechanism. Uh, if they have to really approach the High Court and it becomes unavoidable. 
So, uh, so Indranil, all this is going to, I think this is a brilliant idea in terms of, you know, filmmakers coming together, uh, you know, in different cities, independent filmmakers and filing a petition. But, uh, but, but tell me, Indranil, in terms of the artistic expression, do filmmakers now need to really think about, you know, what are the films, how are they going to shoot the film? What is the thought they're putting out there? And also, do you think that the censorship laws in India versus US, or David Fincher refused to release the film in India. So do you think that we are very, very tough on the freedom of expression when it comes to US versus India? Uh, of course, you know, uh, US, the, the entire constitutional structure is very different. Their constitution allows almost unbridled free expression to the extent that I have seen people giving death threats to people so if you give a death threat in US, but not carry it out, of course, I mean, you can't carry it out, but mm. giving, wishing somebody dead or giving death threats, which is a punishable offense in India, mm. is not punishable. In so US constitution is very different. There are, the restrictions to free speech are almost not there. You know, It's almost unrestricted freedom of speech. So I don't think it will be useful to compare US to India. My worry is... Uh, there is a lot of self-censorship among filmmakers in India because of what has happened, especially in the recent past, you know, mm. filmmakers being taken to court, times arrested, criminal cases being filed right. across different parts of India and mm. keep running to different cities, appoint lawyers in different cities to find multiple court cases. So because of which uh, filmmakers, scriptwriters have become very, very self-conscious and they have started self-censoring. Now, when you start self-censoring, you know that's the end of cinema or end, yes. end of creativity. Hmm. So, I would, but at the same time, you know, these people they have to, they have to be careful also. They have to be careful. But my my contention here is that if you think too much about what will happen, if I write this script or that script, this character or that character, if I write a particular dialogue this way whether I'll be in trouble. Now, too much of thinking of this kind can really uh, harm creativity. My uh, advice to filmmakers is that try and make the film the way you want to do. Hmm. Just keep in mind that you don't cross some of these things which are like, you know, uh, uh, things that can be construed as being criminal. Otherwise, don't bother because of the fact that these days almost anything you do, somebody might find it offensive. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. if you do something harmless which is found offensive by a person X sitting in state Y, mm -hmm. there is no control on it. Anything, anyone can find anything offensive and file a case. So, the, the only thing that can be done in that regard is, as filmmakers, we support other filmmakers so that this cases can be fought uh, at wherever they are taking place within the fraternity people help each other out either legally or otherwise doing signature campaigns uh, doing appeals to various political parties doing appeals to the government so that uh, whenever this kind of harassment uh, issue uh, comes up that filmmaker come together and uh, address uh, the people who can who can mitigate these problems so i think uh, 
if you think too much about censorship then you know it might be very difficult for any creative person to keep on doing his or her work yes yes but i mean the lawmaker should consider this in terms of the artist you know i mean there has to be, has to be something coming from there you know if if we put something out there saying that you know fcat is something that was that was essential for for for, for filmmakers they should you know come with a counter saying that no they're not trying to limit the expression of an artist i mean what should the lawmakers do keeping this in consideration because it's another dimension of thought process it's very difficult to communicate with someone who doesn't understand art to try and make them understand what why it's important for artists uh, very true uh, the the final onus lies with the lawmakers because mm. they can amend the cinematograph act and there are two big documents lying with the government uh, which is already recommended uh, the amendment of the cinematograph act now uh, you were very right that because of the pandemic and other issues the priorities have shifted the number of elections that happened in the last 2 uh, years or so so when we are constantly on the election mode or when we are battling a pandemic the the policy makers or the legislators or the parliament the ministers they are they are invested elsewhere than to look at art because art is anyway not considered a priority mm. especially when you know saving lives is a priority mm. art is not considered a priority and i think they have their own reasons to that extent uh, the only thing that we can do is wait for the pandemic to ease and maybe filmmakers can uh, form groups uh, mm. you know form conglomerates to appeal the government to uh, have a second thought on fcat also to do substantial amendment as recommended by the mukul mudgal committee and uh, the shambhanigal committee uh, look at those two big reports which are already lying with the government and operationalize them right right that would be the right thing to do mm. absolutely right right any any sort of parting words uh, in terms of the future of censorship and creativity in a couple of lines what do you think where are we heading from here i think you know censorship in the present form cannot exist mm. it has to go the only issue is when will it be 2021 right. 2022 or 2025 mm. we don't know it the, 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 that's the issue here because the way film censorship uh, laws have shaped up in india there was a historical necessity for it once upon a time but we have gone past it we've got now internet and for example you know this whole issue that legally has been used in courts to justify censorship that of community standards now is there a community standard as far as decency uh, you know public morality is concerned for example with internet we have got now virtual community a, a young person sitting here mm. could could be having more affinity or more affiliation with somebody sitting in a western country in the same age group they may be watching the same kind of films or same kind of uh, books reading the same kind of books so you know tastes are not shaped within the geography they are shaped across geographies so what kind of community standards will you define 
because the entire censorship is based on the whole idea of community standards if the communities itself has remorphed and virtual communities which cut across national borders have created have been created then uh, possibly the, the the censorship framework which we currently have has to go right. as i say, said it's a time right so the the censorship right now in the present form has to go and we need to upgrade ourselves right great thank you so much indranil uh, for your time and uh, i hope you, you- So where do we go from here? Do you think that filmmakers need to form a conglomerate in their small cities, towns where they are and file a PIL against the removal of FCAT and also a consideration towards the credibility? What do you think that we should do? Think about that. Let us know what you guys think. So that's it folks for this weekend. Uh, stay put wherever you are. Take good care of yourself and enjoy your blessings.